Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, so we are turning to Mark chapter 8. I'm going to be looking at verses 22 through 26. Mark 8, verses 22 through 26. And the title of the message is, It's Not Over. It's Not Over. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to spend this time with you. We pray for understanding. We pray for fresh insight. I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. I pray to decrease, Lord, you increase. And I pray for a speedy recovery for uh, Matt and anybody in this household and for Pastor Jim and anybody in this household who are sick. And just pray your protection upon them, that you would be glorified somehow, somewhere in that situation. And again, Lord, we, we just pray that all across this campus, Lord, you keep people safe. And at the end of the day, only you will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm just wondering how many of us have missed out on things because we left prematurely. How many of us have done that? For some people, maybe it's those extra scenes at the end of the credits of a movie. Paid that money to go to a movie and then you leave like right when it stops. And then you have friends come to you later talking about, oh, did you see that? But we left prematurely. Or how many people missed historic comebacks, come from behind wins in certain games, thinking the game was over because it was a blowout at one point. And so you left or you turned it off. And then afterwards, you have people coming to you, telling you what you missed out on. Or how many of us have missed out on something, not because we left, but because we quit prematurely. Maybe you didn't see any end in sight. You didn't see a solution in sight. And so we missed out on the blessings that could have been there because we quit. And that just brings to mind something from my past. Because in my past, I played football and ran track in high school. And the track, I, I did all the years in high school. But for football, I played a year and a half. And I quit. So I didn't like what the coach was doing. And I didn't talk to the coach. And then I was doing well in track anyway, so it made my decision easier. But I still wonder what could have been. But the fact remained, I, I, I quit prematurely, just wondering what I missed out on. Well, spiritually speaking, some people do the same thing. Quit too soon. Leave too soon. 
And so in today's lesson, we're going to find some reminders and exhortations or encouragements to remind us not to quit, not to move, not to lose hope just because we think it's game over. Just because we think that this is a blowout, there's, there's no way for anything good to come out of this. I'm hoping that God would have improved this situation, but God is taking too long. I'm getting blown out here. I need to leave. I need to quit. But let's look for those reminders and exhortations in the word of God. And, and again, for today, we're going to use Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26 as our springboard. And this is something I, at least the scriptures I taught on a Wednesday night, but the message is different. And this is what happens. You can read the same scriptures a day from now, a year from now, five years from now. And the scriptures in their context will mean the same thing. Because there's one interpretation of the scripture. It means what it says. One meaning, but it could be several applications. And so this morning we have a different application from the first time I taught through these scriptures. And so to begin our study, let's look at verse 22 in Mark 8. And there you will see where it says, Then Jesus came to Bethsaida. And they, that is some people, brought a blind man to him and they begged Jesus to touch him, to touch this blind man. Now, first of all, Bethsaida is a village in Lower Golanitis, located on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. And, and this was not far from where the Jordan River empties into this Sea of Galilee. And also, Bethsaida is the city near which Christ fed the 5,000, not counting the, the women and the children. And so that is the location. But then there's something in that same verse besides the location that I wanted to point out. Because notice that these people brought a blind man to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus. And I just wonder this morning, are we bringing those who are in need to Jesus? Are we bringing those who need healing to the Lord? We see them walking around hurt. We hear the complaints that they're hurt. But are we bringing them to Jesus? The, those who are physically hurting. Those who are physically in need. They need some healing. Those emotionally need some healing. Those who are going through mental situations and they need some mental healings. And so we see these issues. We read the prayer requests. And so are we bringing those people to Jesus, like these people brought this blind man to him. But even more so, how about the spiritually blind? Those who can't see truth spiritually, they don't understand truth spiritually. Are we bringing them to the Lord? Oh, yes, there are spiritually blind people. And you can turn to 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 through 4. 
And we'll see that. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, if, if it's hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those who are on their way to hell, those who are being destroyed, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so there's people who have their minds blinded by the God of this age. Now, notice the word God here has a little G. This is not the true and the living God. This is talking about Satan, the God of this age, the God of this world system. And so he blinds the minds of those who don't believe and those who are heading to hell, blinds their minds. And if those blinders were removed in the light of the gospel about the excellence, the majesty of Christ, all that Christ had done, that gospel will shine on them and they would have understanding. They would come to know that they're sinners in need of a savior, that they need some help, that they can't do it on their own. They would come to understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that we are spiritually bankrupt. And so we need a savior. They would come to understand that if those blinders were lifted. And so we can bring unbelievers to the Lord through prayer. Asking the Lord to remove those spiritual blinders. And of course through sharing the gospel. That's how we bring them to Jesus. But just focusing on the prayer part. I want you to turn to or write down 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. It's talking about our Important responsibility of prayer for all people, which would include the unbelievers. It says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And so he strongly encourages that all supplications, these are specific prayer requests, in prayers or just general prayers, intercessions or prayers on behalf of someone else, of other people. And then the giving of thanks. Thank God for all people. And then notice this for kings, including kings, including presidents, including governors and all who are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So pray even for the leaders in our cities and states and leaders in our country. So that we'll be able to live the Christian lives. In other words, that God will have us to live peaceably. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Praying for all people, including those in leadership. That's good in the sight of God. Why is that? Because in verse 4 it says that he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so there we see God's perfect will for humanity. Now not everyone will obey his perfect will. Because some people will choose to reject Christ. They will say no to Jesus and in doing so then they'll be choosing hell. But his perfect will is for people to be saved. And so 
as believers, we should be praying for unbelievers to have those spiritual blinders removed. We should be bringing people to the throne of God. Just like these people did for this, for this physically blind man. And in Mark 8, 23, it says, so he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And so those of you who are reading your Bibles, you, you know that this isn't the only time Jesus used spit in the miracle. And so some of you, when you saw when I said spit, you, you probably had this look of disgust on your face because you can't imagine, imagine somebody spitting on your face, putting spit on you in any way. I don't even like when my children put spit on me and they, they, have, they share DNA with me. And so Jesus in the spit put spit on his eyes and put his hands on him. But of course, we know in many cases in regard to spit, when you spit on someone, it's an insult. But then also there was a Jewish and Hellenistic belief in the healing properties of saliva. And Hellenistic, by the way, means of or relating to the Greeks or their language or culture. But I do want to point out something to you as well in this verse. In this same verse, in in verse 23, we see that Jesus took the man by the hand. The people brought him to him. And Jesus is like, I'll take it from here. Took him by the hand and he led him out of the town and began to do his work. Now, sometimes the Lord will lead us to other places. Sometimes the Lord will lead us away from certain groups to do a work in our lives. And I'm just wondering this morning, have you felt the Lord leading you away by yourself to spend some time with him? Maybe right now you're sitting there in your seats and there is something that's been troubling you for some time. And and you're thinking like, wow, I can't wait to leave here because I need to go in my prayer closet. Or maybe you've been on your lunch break and something happened on the job or something is going on in your life. And you just couldn't wait to get back to your car because you, you just felt led to spend time with the Lord. Maybe some people feel like taking a walk when they get home. Sometimes I go on a prayer walk and I do a little jogging here and there. But sometimes I do feel led to come apart by myself and to spend time with the Lord. And I'm wondering if you felt that before. And I would say that this would be a good idea that if the Lord is leading you away from the crowd, away from a certain place to to have you all to himself Take advantage of that opportunity because sometimes I believe that he, that he does that to get us away from, from people that we could possibly use or maybe possibly using as a crutch. There's some people in our group, sometimes we depend on every time we get into a pickle, every time we get into trouble, we're depending on those people and they become our first option instead of God being our first option. Or when those people that we're using as a crutch, when they don't work out, when they don't tell us what we need to hear. Or when the strategy we try to use doesn't quite work out. Then we save prayer for the last 
option. And so maybe he's leading us to get away from certain people so that we won't depend on them, but on him. And we'll know for sure that it's God who's working. So only he will get the glory. In other words, only he will get the credit and not men. Maybe that's the case with some people. Or maybe right now you're just hanging around folks and, and, and they're just a negative influence on your life. Or maybe you're, you're hearing some things, you're listening to certain uh, radio stations or looking at certain TV stations and these things are crowding your mind with junk and just a negative influence on you. So maybe the Lord is leading you, is taking you by the hand, so to speak, to, to come with him and It'll be just you and him. All those voices are crowding out the Lord's voice. He has something to say to you. He has something he wants to do in you. He has something that he wants to do through you. But there's too many voices that's crowding out his voice. Verse 24, it says, and he looked up and said, now this is the blind man speaking. He said, I see men like trees walking. They look like trees. My vision's still blurry. And then Jesus put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent them away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. I like that, that second touch. And I like that because it's that second touch that cleared up everything. It's that second touch that caused him to see people for who they really are. And I would submit that we need a touch from the Lord to help us to see people clearly. Because I would say that some of us don't value people as we should, that we don't value lives as we should because we're not seeing clearly. We're, we're, we're seeing them in a blurry way. We're seeing them as trees walking, so to speak. And so we need a second touch to see people as valued as God does. You know, God valued the lives of humans so much that he sent his only begotten son and so we need to value people as people whom, whom God created. Creatures made in the image of God as people that God loves. People that Jesus saw were worth to die for. Or we may see ourselves as not worthy and in of ourselves we're not worthy. But, but God saw that there, there's value there. These are the people I created. These are the people I love. And I'm not willing to throw them away. I'm not willing to have them to be separated from me for eternity. You have to understand that's how long hell is. Separation from God is for eternity. Why? Because God is an eternal God. But on the flip side of that, you need to understand that's how long your salvation is, too. It's for eternity. Because, again, God is an eternal God. 
his eternal. He doesn't want people to spend time away from him for eternity. And so we need to value people as God does, but we may need a second touch. Some of us a third touch so we can see people the way God does. And I believe that will affect our behavior towards people. Because the scriptures tell us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we're loving our neighbor, then we fulfill the law. Why? Because love does no harm to his neighbor. And so I wonder if we're valuing people like God does. Or maybe we need that second touch from the Lord so we can clearly see the roles different people have in our lives. Because sometimes I think we assign roles to people in our lives that, and they have no reason being there. But then there's some people who have some good roles in our lives and we assign them or think that they have a bad role in my life. There's people who love us so much that they're willing to speak the truth to us in love. They're willing to say, brother, that's sin. You need to confess that and repent. They're willing to say, sister, that's not the way to go. This is what the word of God says. And so those same people who would speak the truth to us in love, we would look at them as enemies. We would assign a role to them that they're really not in. All because... We're lacking that second touch of clarity, of clear vision, not seeing people clearly, not seeing their roles in our lives clearly. And sometimes we do this in a negative way. The people who who are harming us, who are patting us on their back, telling us that, oh, our sinful lifestyle is okay. Oh, you have those urges to live that way. Oh, oh, you are a man, but you think you are a woman. Go ahead and do your thing. Get that sex change. Patting people on the back. And that's a very cruel thing to do if you think about it. Because God has a purpose for our lives. God wants people to be saved. And we pat people on their backs and tell them they're okay. That they can do whatever they want to do. Live the way they want to live. You're pushing them further away from God. And further away from their true purpose. That is a cruel thing to do. And so the people you think are your friends patting you on your back saying, go ahead and do that sin. Go ahead and do what you feel like. Go ahead and do you. All those people are not really your friends. So stop assigning those roles to them, to the people who are really harming you. But guess what? We may need a second or third touch to see that clearly. But then we may need a touch from the Lord to help us to see or use discernment in separating the truth from the lie. You know, how do you tell a counterfeit $100 bill from the real one? Well, you become so used, you study the real one so that you'll know what the fake one looks like when it comes around. And so in order for us to have that discernment to separate truth from lies, spend time in the word of God. Become so filled up and so aware of the truth. That when somebody tells you a lie, you'll be able to discern it. You'll be able to point it out and say, that's not true. As a parent, when somebody is teaching your child something, that's a lie. You'll be able to identify that lie and teach why that is a lie. Why? Because you are so immersed in the truth. 
When people who are in authority are speaking out of turn and speaking something that's different from the word of God, you'll be able to not just accept it because they're in authority, but you'll be able to accept it or reject it based on whether or not it matches up with the word of God. So become so immersed in the word of God that you'll receive that touch from the Lord, that extra touch from the Lord to discern truth from the lie. Now I was praying and getting this study together. There's a question that came to my mind and I want to pose that same question to you as we look at the story of this blind man who of course is no longer blind by the time we get to the end of the story. And, and the question is, what if that man had moved on Instead of standing there to allow Jesus to bless him with that second touch. What if, in other words, he left after the first touch? He would have left with an incomplete blessing. He would have left with a not so clear vision, still blurry vision. Would have missed out on his blessing. And I just want to share that there's too many people today who are moving on before God is done working. Because they mistake the progress for the completed work. Now, what if that man would have done that? Oh, I could see. I, didn't, I couldn't see anything at first, but I could at least see people moving around like trees or it could kind of look like trees. What if he would have mistake that for the completed work. Of course, that would have been a huge mistake. In other words, he would have settled for progress and ended up settling for less. And too many people today are doing that, even in the body of Christ, settling for progress and ending up with less. And as a result, they've fallen short of their potential. They're falling short in their potential in their relationships. They're falling short of their potential in marriages. They're falling short of their potential in their walk with the Lord. They're falling short in the potential in their ministry. They're falling short in their potential in their outreach. Falling short in their potential in that, in that job that God has blessed you with. Because you mistake the progress for the completed work. Moving out of place too soon. Before the second touch comes about. Not only do people mistake the progress for the completed work and fall short of their potential as a result of that. But they also miss out on praise reports. Then they show up to the, to the prayer services or show up to the Bible studies and they hear everybody else giving praise reports and say, well, how come God doesn't work like that for me? Oh, God is working like that. God is able to work like that in your life and through your life. But, but maybe you move too soon. Maybe you have mistaken that progress in your life as the completed work. When God has a second touch to complete it, he wants to put the finishing touches on it. But you move too soon. Oh, we need to take a lesson from this blind man or at least this man who used to be blind. And don't miss out on those praise reports. Those praise reports are, are such a blessing. 
Because people need to hear our praise reports. They don't always need to hear our problems. Oh, yes, it's okay to say, oh, pray for us because of this issue. That's, that's fine. But when there's a praise report, when God has indeed moved, when God has indeed placed that finishing touch on what you're praying for, oh, share that praise report. It gives encouragement to the body of Christ. Reminds people that God is still working, that God is still that same all-powerful, almighty God. So, yes, God is still working. So, in other words, what we think is over, it's not over. Because one thing that he's doing is he's working in us. Let's start with that. He is working in us, in our spiritual walk, in the sanctification process. You see, we are justified. We're declared righteous right now in Christ Jesus, right now, as if we never sinned. Jesus' righteousness was imputed to us as if we did the good works Jesus did. And at the same time, we're we're not guilty. That's a blessing in itself. But right now, we're going through sanctification. We are growing, and it's a process. And, And God is still working in that, in Philippians 1, 6, by the way, it says, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, oh God is not a quitter. He still has some other touches in your walk, so to speak. And because of that truth, because we know that God is still working and he's not going to leave us. He's not going to toss us to the side before he completes his work. That's not his will. Because we know that about ourselves, then we ought to be patient with one another as believers. That he's still working on other believers too. And so I know I don't say anything, everything perfectly. I know I don't do everything perfectly. I know I got on your nerves the other day, but understand that God is still working on me, that God is still about to do that second and maybe that third touch in my life. So brother, sister in Christ, I need you to be patient with me. And maybe you're saying that with each other as well. We ought to be patient with one another. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. This is Paul speaking. Remember, he was a prisoner awaiting trial in Rome. He says that I beseech you, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. You're called to be Christians. You're in the body of Christ. You're children of God. Now act like it, in other words. And he says, with all lowliness, so we should be walking, having a humble attitude, a humble opinion of oneself. So don't think too lowly of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself, but think about yourself the way God sees you. That means get in the word with all lowliness, but also gentleness. We we also should be long suffering. That means patience under prolonged provocation. Folks are getting under your skin, but you're still patient with them. Guess what? That's Christ-like. That, that's a part of the fruit of the spirit. So you can't do that on your own. And then it says bearing with or putting up with one another in love. So in other words, continuing to love difficult people. And do we have difficult people in the body of Christ? Yes, because Darrell is a part of the body of Christ. And so bear with me in love. Endeavoring. 
Or in other words, to make an effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The unity does not come from you. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And we are to endeavor to keep that unity in what? The bond of peace. You see that word bond speaks of ligaments by which members of the human body are united together. So in other words, in the ligament of peace. So peace is that ligament that, that keeps us bound together. And so bear with one another in love. Be patient with one another. God is still working. There's still some other touches there in our lives that need to take place. But then there's some problems in our lives that God is still working on. There's still some second touches that need to take place there. So even there, what we think is over is not over in God's eye. In our problems, although we're willing to give up, we're trying to give up. And it may be slow according to our standards, but to God, it's always on time. You see, God already has these problems figured out. He knows how he's going to resolve these issues in our lives. They've already figured out. In eternity. But then they have to fall out into place in time. We live in time. But then check this out. There's some people who see the current state of our country and they see the current state of our world and they think that this is as good as it's going to get. That all hope is gone. But even there, what we think is over is not over. Because even there, God is still working and he's putting the pieces of the big picture in place. He's still working. There's still some touches on that. And, and just to make sure we're, we're in the same place, Darrell, what do you mean by the big picture that God is still causing to fall into place? I'm talking about that eternal state. That eternal state where there will be a new heaven. In other words, a new universe and new earth. That eternal state where there's going to be a holy city or new Jerusalem. In other words, heaven. That's going to come down out of heaven from God. 1,500 miles cubed, wide, tall, and deep. That's taking place in eternity. God will deal with his people or dwell with his people. He's going, there's no... There's no sorrow. There's no crying. There's no pain there. There's no more curse. The former things will be gone. There's not going to be a temple in this new Jerusalem. There won't be a need for the sun or moon. And so you see, there's still some finishing touches. In fact, it says that God the Father and Jesus will be the temple and his light. And we shall see his face and in eternity that's the best thing we're going to see God's face in fact out of all of the things as awesome as heaven is going to be God will be the best part of heaven and so this is not the 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 best it's going to get there's still more to come what we think is over in this country, what we think is over in this world, it's not over. There's some finishing touches there. And in heaven, in other words, in eternity, we're going to see more and know more than we ever have. We're going to see better. We're going to know God better. I know some of you are super spiritual and you're really close to God. 
but you're going to know him better there. Everything you think you know about the Bible right now on this side of eternity, you're going to know more in eternity. Because 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, for now we see in the mirror dimly. Oh, it's a little blurry right now. Remember that man with that first touch? Oh, it's a little blurry right now. But then we'll see face to face. Because now I know in part my understanding, my, my knowledge is partial on this side of eternity. But then I shall know just as I also am known. Now, as I told the last service, in other words, we won't be dumber in heaven than we are here. We're going to know way better there. Not all knowing like God is, but, but we're gonna, our knowledge will be more complete. And right now we're just waiting on that second touch. We're, we're just waiting on that finishing touch that God is going to give in order to complete that salvation process. Because I talked about justification and sanctification, but then that the rest of the salvation process is glorification. Oh, that's when we have those renewed bodies, the glorified bodies built for eternity. No more weakness, no more sin nature, knowing way more than we know now, understanding way more than we understand, than we understand now. Relationship with God, fellowship with God will be unbroken, better than it's, ha- better than it's ever been. And as the worship team comes up, I just want to, Encourage you that since God still has us here, since he still has us on this earth, I would encourage you to keep serving, keep believing, keep trusting him. And if God has not closed the door, I want to encourage you to keep serving, keep believing, keep trusting him. And if God has not said it's over, I want to encourage you to keep serving, keep believing, keep trusting him. In other words, if God has not closed the door, you don't even touch that door. If God has not said that it's over, then you don't say it's over. You don't act like it's over. Or right now on this side of eternity, we might see men like trees walking. Things may be a little blurry right now. We don't have much understanding right now. We don't see the end in sight right now. And you're getting discouraged and you're losing some hope right now. Things are not going as you expect at this time. But I just want to encourage you, just like this blind man in our study, don't you move from your position of faith. Because that second touch is coming. God is going to complete his work. And I can say I promise you that because God promised it in his word. And his word does not change. So trust God to put the finishing touch on what he's doing. Amen. But I thank you for today, Father. Lord, there's some work that you desire to do in us, Lord. And My goodness, if we can see, if we can see that, how many of us would not make that mistake of not moving before it's time? How many of us would avoid quitting too soon? And so I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are on the verge of It's throwing in the towel or maybe it's an issue in their life. Maybe 
They're frustrated about something in their walk that there's some sin that they prayed about overcoming and it just keeps coming up and they're frustrated. Help them, Lord, to stand in that position of faith and allow you to keep working, to put the finishing touches in their lives and through their lives and for their lives and in their situations and the people who are putting all of our trust on this side of eternity. Help us, Lord, to be redirected to what's coming ahead because the best is yet to come. You will finish what you started. And we thank you, Lord. If there's anybody, Lord, who's not a believer right now, never put their faith in Christ, I pray, Father, that you would remove the spiritual blinders and that you would draw them to Jesus. If there's anyone here who wants to make that decision, I would encourage you, just lift up your hand and I can lead you in prayer or come up to us after service and we'll pray with you because tomorrow is not promise. And and that's a word from 1997 that God spoke in my life when I was trying my career to be a rapper and I wanted to do all this and that. God was dealing with me. I was cursing and everything. I had a filthy mouth. So obviously I was cursing in those rap songs. And God began to deal with me. And I said, okay, Lord, I won't say this or that bad word, but only these. Literally. I wasn't saved, but that's how I thought it worked. The conviction was still there. I kept telling, oh, okay, well, maybe not this or that, but yeah, I'll just say only this. Then I kept trying to bargain with God and that conviction was still there and it was heavy. And so I told God, okay, Lord, I'm just going to make one, one album with this group and then I'll break off and become, and, and then be solo and then start doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And God spoke to my heart, tomorrow's not promised. So that same word in 97, it's that same word today, tomorrow's not promised. And so we'll be here after service, willing and ready to pray with you. Other than that, I just want to thank you so much for coming out, for praying with us, worshiping with us. We love you all. Have a blessed week and be used in a mighty way. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek dot org.